Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, Orange United Methodist Church. My name is Savannah Wright. I'm the pastoral intern here at Orange, and I'm so excited to welcome you to worship this morning. We have two additional announcements. Thank you, Pastor Corey and Pastor Brad, for the announcement video. Our additional announcements are that on this coming Saturday, on October 24th, we will have a trustees workday from 9 to 12 and another shift from 12 to 3. You can find the sign-up link for that in the weekly email and then on Wednesday, following the workday on October 28th, we have a blood drive from 10 to 3. You can find signups to be a volunteer or to donate also in the link for the email. If you would please continue worshiping with us as I read today's scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance as it is written. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much and the one who had little did not have too little. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I am Adam Seat, and I'm the lead pastor here at Orange, and I'm so glad to be with you. And as you heard in the announcements, we are preparing to begin regathering in person for our time of worship. And so as we have begun those preparations, hopefully you received in the mail that regathering plan, and hopefully you also have seen that as we have shared it in the emails. We'll be adding that to the church website to make sure everyone has a chance to see what the plan is and the ways that we're going to be operating. Uh, once again, we're going to be limiting the people that are worshiping with us on those Sundays to 25. And so you will have to pre-register in advance and we'll be register in advance and we'll be wearing face masks. And the services are also going to be looking a little bit differently because we want to minimize the amount of time that we're gathered together inside this space. And so the services are going to be capped at about 45 minutes. And so you'll begin noticing as right now we're already beginning to put into practice 
the, the plan that we're going to be utilizing, that the service today will even be a little bit shorter than what we are typically used to. And so we're beginning to practice that so we can get into that rhythm for when we do begin to regather. And so we're thankful that you have chosen to gather with us and be present with us today in this way as we worship together. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks for this opportunity that we do have to be with you. Lord, we give thanks for the way that you have ordered our lives in such a way that one day a week we might press pause on everything else and that we might truly draw close and be present with you and allow you to speak once again into our lives. So today, Lord, as we gather wherever we may be, may you speak to us, Lord. Fill us with your holy presence. We give thanks for your word as it has been read and now as it is to be proclaimed. We ask that you might transform the words that proceed from my mouth. And as they pour upon our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Church, it is good to be back home. Many of you may know that my wife Jennifer and I had an opportunity to go away last week. We were down at my wife's family's home in Leesburg, Florida, and enjoying the warmth and beautiful weather of Florida. And as we were driving back from Florida yesterday, making our way, it seemed like each time we stopped, the temperature got a little bit cooler and it was just a strange sensation to go from being sunburnt to being cold. And so it is, though, good to be back home and to be back present. This past week was somewhat of a working vacation as Jennifer had to work uh, digitally, virtually away from home. And then I had to spend some time working with a conference board of ordained ministry doing our work together and yet, we still were able to spend that time getting away, but still be present in a unique kind of way. Last Sunday, being able to, to connect and watch and participate and worship from the back porch, looking out over a golf course, and then having the opportunity to teach my Sunday school class. It was such a great way to still be able to be present, even when we were hours away and absent. And I was so grateful for Pastor Brad's words last week as it reminded us about our second of our five membership vows to be presence. Now, the very first of the membership vows that we take when we join the church or even that we renew when someone joins the church is that we will support the church with our prayers. That means we're going to, to pray for the church, pray for the staff, pray for the lay leadership, pray for the volunteers, pray for the councils and the committees. Then we're going to pray for the children, pray for the youth, pray for our sick and our shut-ins. Because all of these comprise the body of Christ as we know it in Orange United Methodist Church. And when we join the church, we're committing to pray for them because we're a part of that family. 
And so just like we model our prayers as we pray for members of our family, we pray for our church. Some of you might have even had that practice taught to you early on as a child. I remember when my mom and dad taught me to pray. When I would go to bed, I would pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Some of you probably know that prayer as well. But at the very conclusion of it, I was to then begin to lift up members of my family. And that's where the prayer could sometimes get a little bit extended. God bless grandma. God bless grandpa. God bless cousin Eddie. God bless all and naming all these different people. And so sometimes mom and dad would have to encourage me to shorten my prayer just a little bit. That's the way we should be praying for the church. God bless Lifting up the church and lifting up the people of the church and lifting up the people that the church have not yet had the opportunity to be in ministry with. And so when we join the church, we become a part of the family and we commit to pray for the church. And then as Pastor Brad covered last week, as the second membership vow, we commit to be present. We will support the church with our presence. As Pastor Brad said, presence is an act of love. And as he shared, we have seen that lived out over the course of the past few months as we've had to learn to be present in different ways. Sometimes it's through porch visits. Sometimes it's through being present for someone else by going to the store for those that aren't able to go. He shared with us the reminder of how we are called to be intentionally present for one another, but also to fully be present with God. You know, there are times we can be in attendance and not fully presence, <laughs> present. I learned that back in school. I might have been in attendance, but I might not have always been present. Brad offered us that reminder to be intentional, to be present with one another and present with God. And so today we pick up the third of our five membership vows that we will support the church with our gifts. Now, you know, there are some people that are just generous people. I know that I had a former parishioner at one of my congregations that seemed to know everybody's birthday and Every birthday that came, that person would send a special birthday card and maybe even a token, a gift. And it seemed like that individual knew any special occasion or anything that took place or even she just was thinking about somebody and she would provide some kind of a gift. Some people are just very generous people. I had another parishioner in my church who wanted to always have the opportunity to give to somebody that was less fortunate. And so there was never a stoplight that she pulled up at that she did not offer something if somebody was standing there on the side of the road. She lived this out, her generosity every day, everywhere, even going on countless mission trips to and far and so many different places to be able to share in the generosity that God has given to her. Some people are just generous people. I've had different churches where I might have mentioned in my sermon my love of macaroni and cheese, only to be followed with soon receiving several platters of homemade macaroni and cheese. Now, that's not me asking for macaroni and cheese 
yet, maybe later. But some people just are generous people. My mother was one of those people that had the spiritual gift of generosity. Christmas was always special because mom knew that I needed something before I even knew it. Every year, I never could understand how mom picked the exact right shirt or pair of pants that I needed. Mom just knew the special gift that I needed before I even knew it. And she didn't just go out and buy it. Sometimes mom would even make it. I have shared this with some of you before, that my mom handmade a stole for me and also for my father that would remind us, would demonstrate all the liturgical colors of the year. I didn't even know that I needed it. I already had a white stole that I could use for communion or for baptisms or for Easter Sunday or for Christmas Eve. But mom made this before I even knew it and gave it to me. Some people are just very generous people. Some people just have that gift of generosity. And some people, they just want to give. Uh, they want to demonstrate their generosity because they are grateful for something. They are grateful for the impact that someone else is possibly making. You know, early on in the midst of this pandemic, you as a church wanted to demonstrate appreciation to our healthcare workers, in particular those at UNC Memorial Hospital who were dealing with many of those who were afflicted with COVID-19. And so we as a church took up a special offering that was matched by our outreach committee to be able to raise enough funds to be able to feed Sixth Bed Tower at UNC Memorial, who were many of those employees that were dealing every day with those people afflicted with this frightening virus. We wanted to show appreciation for the work that they were doing, for the risk that they were taking. And you gave so generously, giving us that opportunity. And so we partnered with the local business and were able to feed both the day shift and the night shift over there at the hospital. And I kept receiving texts that day, throughout the day, from the staff there at that sixth bed tower floor, showing gratitude and appreciation for the meal that we were able to provide. You were able to provide. Because we just wanted to show appreciation for what it was they were doing. And just this week, I received a card signed by so many of the faculty and staff there of that floor that you fed. Once again, echoing those words of thanks and appreciation for us recognizing the work they had done. Sometimes we give out of appreciation and giving thanks for someone or something I know at one of my congregations that I served, there was an individual that on the very day that I moved in to serve as the pastor of that church, this man was having open heart surgery. I knew it was a critical surgery. And so I made my way to the hospital to spend time there that first day instead of unpacking boxes, which trust me, wasn't that hard to leave behind. But I made my way there to the hospital to try to be present, as Pastor Brad spoke about last week, with this family. As he endured a time of recovery, ultimately he did come through. And that man, during the entire time that I was his pastor, never stopped demonstrating his gratitude and his appreciation. In fact, it was a tradition. On Christmas Eve, I had to tell his family about it. They didn't even know about it. On Christmas Eve, my first year there, he came and he shook my hand. And as I shook his hand, I realized there was something in his hand that he was placing into my hand. 
And so I looked down and saw there was a $100 bill. And I started to say something, and he didn't say a word. He just went. And I knew. So I took that and put it in my pocket. And sure enough, every year that I was his pastor, that $100 handshake was there. It was a remarkable gift. And I spoke to him one day, and it was just his way of wanting to demonstrate gratitude. Sometimes we give out of gratitude. We give out of appreciation for what others are doing or what they have done. And sometimes we give to things that are just bigger than ourselves. I'm somebody that when I was born, I was born with a cleft lip. And so there are charities out there that we have the opportunity to give to to help individuals who were born here in America or even abroad with such a condition as a cleft lip or a cleft palate. That will, as we give to those charities, it's something bigger than what I could do on my own, but I'm joining in with many others to be able to make a difference so that those people that are afflicted with that same condition that I was born with might be able to have the surgery that will alter the course of their life. You know, we give to things sometimes that are bigger than ourselves, which is why when there's a hurricane that causes such traumatic devastation, we join together and we give to make a difference. We give to causes that are bigger than ourselves. And sometimes we give to be able to support something that we ourselves may not feel equipped to do. When I made the decision to follow the call to ministry. Jennifer, my wife, was in law school. And so as we were incurring in our first couple of years of marriage, already tremendous student loan debt, which continues to be a crisis in this country today. But as we were incurring such debt, I was trying to make and support our very small family through working as a part-time youth pastor at a church and also working during the day for Carolina Power and Light. Struggling to make ends meet, the decision to begin seminary upon my wife's graduation, we knew that was going to be a financial challenge to us. And the, there was an individual at the church where I was serving as the youth pastor who decided they wanted to make a difference. And so they quietly and humbly approached the pastor of the church and said that he wanted to pay to cover my travel as I would be driving at least four days a week from Dunn, North Carolina to Durham to attend classes at Duke. And sure enough, quietly and humbly, this individual gave beyond himself. And he gave in a way that helped equip and build up the ministry and I give thanks for the way that he gave beyond himself so that I might be able to continue to share in the ministry of the gospel today. We are people of generosity because our God is a God of generosity. Paul speaks to generosity many times in his writings. As we know, Paul himself upon the transformed life began to devote himself to the ministry of the gospel. And yet he still had to make sure that he took care of himself. And so we know from reading in Acts and in other places in the New Testament that Paul, to support himself during this time and to support the ministry of the gospel, worked as a tent maker. 
But people began to see the incredible value of Paul devoting all of his life and all of his being to the ministry of the gospel. And so people began to demonstrate generosity as they gave to Paul so that he might be able to spend less time working as a tent maker and more time proclaiming the message of the gospel and doing the work that must be done. Paul also was able to be a recipient of the generosity of people during his time of incarceration because times of being incarcerated back then were different than they are now. For as we know it now, when someone is, is incarcerated, it's as if they're guaranteed, as we hear it say, three square meals, a bed to sleep on, and a roof over their head. That wasn't such a guarantee back in Paul's time. In fact, the person that was incarcerated was dependent upon their friends and their family and other supporters who might be able to provide for them during that time to be able to help sustain them with food and clothing and whatever other needs that they might require. So Paul himself had been the recipient of people's generosity, enabling him to cease to have to be making tents and also people to be generous during his time of incarceration. And then today, we have another letter that is being written to the people of Corinth. And in this, Paul is writing about how the people of Corinth have demonstrated such incredible generosity. But in this passage of scripture that we read from today, that Savannah read, we see that Paul really gives us four, four reasons that we might give. Four reasons that we might give. A lot of times we think when we give to the church that we give to dollars and cents to meet a budget. No, no, it goes far beyond just meeting a budget. We give to meet a mission. And that's what Paul's writing about. In this, Paul begins to break out in four different ways, ways that we give and reasons that we give. In verse 7, he writes... Now, as to you, excel in everything, in faith, in knowledge, in speech, in utmost eagerness, in our love for you. See, these are the ways that they're already demonstrating who they are as a person of God. But now he says, so we also want you to excel in this generous undertaking. We give to be able to abound in all aspects of the Christian experience. Generosity allows us to experience all aspects of the Christian life together. He goes on in verse 8 for our reason number 2 that we give. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. Paul says that in our generosity and our giving, we are proving, we're proving the reality of our love that we have for the ministry of the gospel. If we go down to verse 9, we see he continues on with our third reason for giving. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Our third reason for giving is that we might imitate Christ. That we might do as Jesus did. Seems like we recently have heard a reminder how we might be like Jesus. And then as we jump down to verses 13 and 14, we get Paul's fourth reason that we might give. 
Paul says, for if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, and in order that there may be a fair balance. Paul's talking about the abundance that we have, being able to share to meet the needs of others. That's our fourth reason we give, to be able to meet the needs of others. See, once again, when we give, we're not just giving dollars and cents to meet a budget. When we give, we're giving to the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. And in that, when we give in that way, we are able to experience the fullness of the Christian experience. When we do that, we are proving the, our love that we have. When we give back to God in that way, we are demonstrating our imitation of Christ. And when we give in such a way, we're giving to be able to meet the needs of others. And so when we make this vow upon joining the church, that we will support the church with our gifts, we're vowing that we're going to support opportunities for a child to come to know that Jesus loves you. This I know. We're vowing that we're going to invest in the lives of our teenagers. That we may send on mission trips out into the world where they may be impacted even more than the people that they are in ministry with. When we commit and make this vow, we are saying we are committing to offer hope to the least, to the last, and to the lost through the giving and opportunity of receiving that hope. When we make that vow, we are committing to feed the hungry and provide opportunities for lives to be changed. And when we make that vow, we are vowing to help people find their place in God's story. Generosity is a choice that we make, which is why it's a vow that we take. It's a choice, a choice we have to make, and thus it's a vow that we take. We are called to live into this life of generosity, a life that has started in many of us as children. My son Aaron, we used to give money when there would be a book fair. And he would go to that book fair ready to buy his own books, only to find that other classmates did not have money sent from home to buy books. And so Aaron would go and to buy the books for other children. Aaron might come home from the book fair and not have a single book. And we'd ask him, Aaron, we gave you that money. What happened to that money to buy the books? And Aaron said, oh, I bought books just for others that didn't have that could not afford to buy on their own. See, as children, we are created and living out that life of generosity. But something begins to happen and our focus begins to be turned into us. God is calling us to go back to being like that child that wants to give. And living out that generosity. See, I saw that life, lived, that generosity lived out in the life of a child and my son. But I especially saw it one time on a mission trip that I took with a group from my church down to Atlanta to be in ministry with the hungry and the homeless. 
One day we were throwing a carnival in a poor neighborhood, and as we were gathered, to, had invited all the children of the community to come. We invited them to come and to play games. And there we were sharing as they popped the balloons or tossed the ring and got it over the hole, they received candy. Well, me being a big kid myself, I would tease with some of them one time about, oh, is that some of my candy? Are you going to give me some of your candy? And these innocent children that had nothing to give would reach into their bag to give their candy to me. I, I saw their generosity and I would just want to refuse it. No, no, no. Because I knew I had more than what I had and than what I needed, clearly. But they had a need to give. Because God has hardwired that generosity within us. And we give, we give out of our hearts and we live out the fullness of the Christian experience. When we give, we prove the reality of the love that we have for God. When we give, we're imitating Christ. When we give, Giving to a mission to meet the needs of others. When we make that vow, we are called to live into that generosity. And we will support the church and our gifts. And as we pour out, it allows an opportunity to God to fill us with His Spirit and the fullness of His grace. Today, I invite you to live into that third vow, that we would support the church with our gifts. Let us pray. God, you have created us in your image. And as children of God, Lord, may we live out that generosity that you put within us. We give beyond ourselves. We give out of gratitude. We give to a mission to the ministry of Jesus Christ so that all may come to know and believe that you are a God, a God of love. And so, Lord, may you inspire us to renew our commitment to one another and to you as we give back to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.